Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Really good to be with you today, whether this is your first time at Bayside or your 101st time, uh, whether you're in the room physically or, or joining us online. Uh, from somewhere in the universe. Uh, great to have you here together with us today. It is Mark Connor with a beard. That, that's not your screen. Uh, it is a beard. And I've been mistaken for numbers of people over the last month, um, from Richard Branson to George Clooney. That was a... Uh, that'll do. Uh, to a Nordic warlord. To Grizzly Adams was uh, l- last week. And uh, Santa Claus. Uh, so... In, in, you know, reason for the season. So, anyway, um, my wife Nicole likes the beard, so your opinion's important to me, but pretty irrelevant. <laughs> anyway, change a change is as good as a holiday, you know. So, there we go. So, uh, good to be together today. Christmas is coming up, and I uh, hope it's a really good season for you and uh, your world, and also another new year coming before we know it. So. Uh, Uh, All the best to to you today. Uh, During this year, I've been doing a series with you. uh, And for those that are visiting, I'm part of the visiting teaching team. And uh, we've been doing a series this year called Thriving in Life. Would you say that with me? Thriving in Life. We didn't want to just survive 2023. Uh, We wanted to thrive. Uh, That doesn't mean there won't be rainy days, even stormy days, especially if you live in Melbourne. Um, But we're we're really wanting to thrive, to have that sense of flourishing and fruitfulness in our lives. And so uh, I've been sharing a a five-part series around this theme with you this year. Uh, Our kind of baseline is that life is a bit of an ecosystem. I love that word, uh, word, an ecosystem with many different parts that are all really important and they all affect the whole and the whole affects the parts. And so these are uh, vital relationships that you have in your world. And we've been um, spending a message on each one of these. We started with you and God, uh, just that awareness that there is a God. Uh, and what is that God like? And what is my connection to God? That was our, our first session back in January. Then we looked at you and your calling. Uh, how many know we're not saved just to go to heaven? Otherwise, we might as well head there now. We're saved and called. You have a reason to be here on the planet. So we looked at this whole idea of calling. And then we looked at you and yourself. How many know the person in the mirror? Um, what's happening inside of you is really important. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of us struggle in other relationships because we, we don't really get on with ourselves. What's happening between you, you yourself? Uh, what's going on there? And so we had a whole session on that. And then you and people. How many know this is the easiest of the five? Uh, You know, everyone's normal until you get to know them. Uh, So we did a whole session on how do you get along with people? And so that was our our last message together. And today we're going to talk about you and your work. I know holidays are coming up, but we're going to talk a little bit about work today. And so if you missed any of those messages, Bayside has a, a great podcast and uh, I also have a podcast too. So whatever podcast app you use, just search Bayside Church Melbourne or Mark Connor, C-O-N-N-E-R, and you can track down any of those messages and hear them uh, for yourself. That's a shameless plug there today. So let's move on to today. Today we're going to talk about you and your work. Uh, you know, work is not something we talk a lot about in many churches. 
Obviously, Bayside's an exception. But isn't it interesting we spend most of our time uh, at our work, at our job, and yet it's not something we talk a lot about. And so today we want to do that. I just want to read a, a statement from Paul here. And the context of this statement is he's actually talking to slaves. Back in the first century, uh, slavery was a big part of society, sadly. Thankfully, we've seen that change. Hopefully, you don't feel a slave at your job. Uh, but in the context of that, Paul says, in fact, why don't we read this out together today? One, two, three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. One more time. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. The Greek word for whatever means whatever. I know that's really deep on this Sunday morning. That's a big word, isn't it? Whatever you do. You're a school teacher, you're a doctor, you're a nurse, you're an accountant, you're an architect, you're an electrician, you're a plumber, you're a musician, you're a scientist. Uh, what have I missed? Housewife. A baker. Thank God for bread. An artist. A nurse. A butcher. A manager. What was that one? A garbage collector. Man, I hear they make good money too. But thank God, I always look forward to Sunday night putting my stuff out and make sure the right bin goes out. Uh, we could be here all day, but whatever is a big word. Whatever you do, that includes every job, every task, every project you could imagine. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. There's an attitude there. As working for the Lord. If you're a follower of Jesus, imagine if Jesus said, hey, vacuum the auditorium for me. What kind of job would we do? Come on, don't look at me so spiritual. Work at whatever you do with all your heart as to the Lord. I think this is a great philosophy uh, for us when we think about our work life is that work really is important. Uh, sadly, this appreciation for work, this value of work, uh, didn't hang around for too long. In fact, by the time you get into the third and fourth century, attitude to some jobs began to change. Let's have a look at St. Jerome. Anyone heard of St. Jerome? Fourth century. He said this, a merchant can seldom, if ever, please God. How many think if you were in his church on Sunday morning and you were, in a, you were a merchant, you would have gone home very, very encouraged that day? <laughs> He's suddenly going, that job... You know, you're a trader, you're a merchant. Well, you're going to struggle to please God. St. Augustine wasn't that much better. Business is in itself evil. Come to our business breakfast on Saturday morning. <laughs> Can you see something's kind of happened here? In the thinking, there's this change going on. There's an attitude to work that's starting to develop. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, we did a whole series called Your Work, God's Work. And uh, if you were away, I'm going to give you a quick summary, or maybe you weren't here. Again, you can check out the podcast to get all of that uh, teaching. But just a quick summary, because I think what we need is a theology of work, a, a perspective that's godlike on our work. And I'll just give you, this is our Bible study section this morning. So number one, first thing, if we have a bit of a theology of work, God is a worker. Thank you for those two amens. 
God, you know, sometimes think God's sitting up there in a cloud, you know, with a harp or just uh, resting all the time. Uh, Genesis 2, 1 to 3. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation and he rested from all his work. God is a worker. And so in Genesis, we have the work of creation. And what an amazing universe God created. What a a phenomenal uh, example of project management as God had this vision of a new world. And uh, on the first day did the light and then the next day and the next day kind of got this sequential project time management creation uh, of the universe. And then, of course, later on, we see God in the work of redemption as the Father sends the Son and then the Son sends the Spirit. Uh, John 5, 17, Jesus says, My Father is always working and so am I. Some of you thought that described your dad, didn't it? I thought that was funny. Um, My Father is always working. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) My kids would have said that. Uh, earlier on. Jesus says, my father is always working and so am I. So when we think about work, we've got to realize God is a worker. God creates, God produces, God works. And if you and I are created in God's image, guess what? (laughs) You are also here to work, to create, to contribute, to, to be fruitful, to multiply. So right at the beginning, as we think about our work life, we start with God. God models work and creativity and productivity. And so our second point flows from that. Work is part of our calling. Again, I think sometimes we think that before sin entered the world, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve were just kind of, every day was a holiday. And Adam and Eve were in hammocks drinking pina coladas. And it was just all rest and relaxation. And then they sinned and God said, get to work. I think that's the way we think the narrative runs, but that's not true because in Genesis 2, verses 15, it says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So work was actually part of our calling even before sin entered the world. And so uh, this message will get better, okay? Um, I know it's Christmas and we're talking about work. I'm preaching to myself. I'm having a good time anyway. Um, So so God is a worker and work is part of our calling. It's part of why we're here. Number three, work is sacred. Um, Unfortunately, we read Augustine, we we read Jerome. Um, This view came in that work was secular. Ever heard someone say, I've got a secular job? It's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, you may not have heard it, but it's around. Um, I, I got a secular job. What do you mean? So God's not actually interested in your work? And, and so unfortunately, um, Greek philosophy created something called dualism, where we have a separation between what is sacred and holy and the divine and what is secular or unholy. And that's where Augustine and Jerome are thinking, you know, if, you, if you're in business, if you're a merchant, well, that's secular. Uh, the sacred is the divine. And, and, and this Greek philosophy kind of sees life as a series of boxes. And so you've got your, your, your work, your family, maybe recreation, and then you have your spirituality. And so you've got all these boxes. You kind of come to church on Sunday. Well, I tick my spirituality box. And then I go to work and then I've got my family. And it kind of segregates, segregates all of life. You know, the Hebrew worldview was a circle 
with God at the center. And all of life was sacred. All of life had a spiritual dimension to it. There's no place, no job, no thing that you do that is not spiritual and sacred. Uh, we used to have it in our language. As I was a kid, uh, this room used to be called the sanctuary. Anyone remember those days? Uh, that means this is a holy place. The foyer is okay. You know, once you get to the foyer in the car park, you're, you're, you're off holy ground. As if God lives here and He's going to be waiting here, hoping you'll come back next week and to visit Him. Come on. The very language is implying that there are some sacred things and everything else. God's not there. God's not that interested. Well, I think we've got to really start and build a theology that God's a worker, works part of our calling, and all of work is sacred because God's there. Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. And so let's not have this separation between the sacred and the secular. Paul preached in the synagogues, but he also shared good news in the marketplace. And so both are places where God is at work. Work, fourthly, in our little theology of work here, work has a purpose. And we spent time in those couple of two-part series, work exists to glorify God, to serve people. Uh, your job is offering a service or a product for the betterment of people to provide meaningful contribution. We're all saved to do some good works. And so when you work, you're, you're contributing, you're doing something meaningful with your life and to generate wealth. How many are glad when the paycheck comes in? Oh, yeah. Okay, a few of you. Uh, again, um, Wealth is the result of work. You know, the Bible doesn't really promote gambling or getting rich quick schemes. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8 verses 18, it says he gives us the power to get wealth. It doesn't say, you know, when you become a Christian, there'll be a little envelope of money at your bedside every morning when you wake up. Now, he doesn't give us wealth. He gives us the power to get wealth. And so as you and I go out and use our gifts and abilities and we put in a good day's work, uh, we have the power to gain. Wealth comes as a result of us making meaningful contribution. And so work has a purpose. And then fifthly, we looked at the fact that how we work matters. And so it's not just having a job. It's not just getting through the day, but the attitude in which we work. Uh, we talked a little bit about emotional quotient. Um, Daniel Goleman says in the workplace, you can have great IQ, you can have great technical still, but your ability to get along with people uh, is the number one key in your workplace. So attitude, how we go about our work is really important. And not only having a good attitude, but being diligent, uh, excellence, doing our very, very best. Uh, you've heard the little phrase that Jesus taught his disciples. Um, if a, a Roman soldier bids you to carry his bags one mile, go the extra mile. You know, in the first century, a Roman soldier as an employee of the government, could ask anyone to carry their stuff for one mile. But beyond one mile, they couldn't require that. What does Jesus say? Yeah, do an extra mile. Wow, give a little bit more than expected. How many know the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little bit extra? 
So it's not just doing a job, it's doing it with a great attitude. It's also doing it with diligence, doing it with excellence, that little bit of extra. Uh, there's a story told of Michelangelo when he was painting the Sistine Chapel. Uh, he was way up high on the scaffold and he was spending ages on this little corner and someone said to him, hey, Michelangelo, what, what are you doing? No one's going to see that. And without any hesitation, he says, God sees. I love that. God sees. Yeah, yeah. Other people may not notice this, but I want to do do this well, do this well. And, uh, you know, you have that kind of attitude to your work and uh, you're going to not only enjoy it, but see a reward for that. So there's our Bible study this morning. Everyone doing okay? Early December, theology of work. I want to encourage you in your work. God's a worker. Work is part of your calling. Work is sacred, not secular. Uh, your work has a purpose. And of course, how you work matters. So that's our little Bible study about work today. Now I want to have a chat about work. Can we have a chat? All right, just a bit of a chat about work today. And I'm going to share a a variety of little thoughts with you this morning. And hopefully uh, something will connect with each one of you today who are here and on live stream. I did a little bit of of research and reflection on work. Uh, You know, if you think history, go back 100 years or so, um, two, two big decisions in life were already decided for you. One is your job. Did you know that a couple of generations ago, you didn't go and think, what do I want to do for a career? If you're a man, you did your dad's job. If you're a smith, then you're a smith. Dad's a smith, you're a smith. <laughs> Whatever your dad's career was, you just inherited that. If you're a woman a couple of generations ago, then you were a housewife and potentially a mother. And so your career and your job was already decided for you by your parents. That The idea of uh, choosing a career or choosing a job was almost kind of non-existent. You, you were already on a conveyor belt of what you grew up within. Not only was your job chosen for you, uh, if you were married, then you had an arranged marriage. Mom and dad chose that person for you. Uh, how many would like to go back to the good old, good old days? I, I, I sense a lot of trust for our parents in the room. <laughs> yeah, don't know about mum and dad making that choice. So, so, so go back 100 years ago. Your job was kind of decided for you, your career, your, uh, your work. And at a very young age, often people had an arranged marriage that uh, their parents kind of set up for them. And so in the modern world, I think sometimes we don't appreciate the fact that we can actually choose a job and you can actually choose a partner. I I think that's worth an amen or a hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I guess the point is, I think we take things for granted that that you can actually think about what what do I want to do with my work, my career, my life? And who do I want to do life with? And uh, you may end up with a partner, you may end up being married. Uh, Those are choices that are new to the modern world compared to all of history. Uh, I think what's challenging with them is how many would agree that our educational system, as wonderful as it is, reading, writing, arithmetic, doesn't really prepare us for those two decisions. It, It doesn't. Thank you for those two claps. I mean, school doesn't really get you ready for a relational life. 
of getting on with people and thinking about who you could maybe do life with for a long time. Doesn't really prep you for that, not intentionally. And school, although it teaches all those skills, as of yet, it doesn't really do a good job at helping you understand how you're wired, what you're good at, what your best contribution will be and the kind of career that you'll flourish in. There's a big gap there, and yet those are two of the biggest decisions in our life. And many of us growing up, we kind of lack the skills, the information, the clarity about what kind of job you'd be well suited for. Uh, I got a friend named David, and he came out of school. He went and became a lawyer. How many years do you need to do to become a lawyer? Seven? It's a lot of years. Yeah. He, he, he did all of his studies. He went and became a lawyer. He practiced for a couple of years, and he hated it. And then yeah, he always loved computers. And so he went into IT and he's been into IT ever since and is flourishing. Now, now nothing against lawyers. That, that wasn't my point. My point is, here's a guy who did all of his 12 years of schooling, went and did six or seven years for a job that when he actually got there, he goes, yeah, I don't really like this. And you know what? David's story is not uncommon. Uh, many times we have ideas about what a job will be like, but we're, we're really not fully aware of, well, if I actually did that, what would it actually be like to do that job? And so th these are some of the challenges that we have today with finding a job to love. Finding a job to love. Uh, there's a, a, a well-known book recently released called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. And he talks about one of the major causes today of anxiety and depression is disconnection. Disconnection from meaningful relationships and disconnection from many things, but also disconnection from meaningful work. It's really, really fascinating. He quotes Gallup, a, a poll that they did. They polled millions of workers across 142 countries, and they discovered that 13% of people are engaged with their jobs. They're enthusiastic about it. They get up in the morning and they're looking forward to work and they're committed to the job they're doing. 63% of workers, this is millions of people across 142 countries, say they are not engaged with their work. They basically sleepwalk through their day and there's not a lot of energy or passion they're putting into their work. And 24% of people are actively disengaged. They're, they're, they're actually unhappy at their job. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? And, and he's showing that this disconnection from meaningful work is, is actually causing all sorts of anxiety and depression, uh, let alone the impact on the businesses that uh, those people work for. And, and so we, we've got a challenge here. And for many, it's, it's a lack of control, a lack of freedom. For many, it's this feeling like the harder I work, I just never get ahead. I'm always behind. Another big one is I work really hard. I give it my best and no one notices. Even if I do a bad job, no one notices. Not being seen, uh, work that's monotonous and boring and soul destroying, feeling trapped because you need the money. And so a really fascinating study on the impacts of being Connect, disconnected from work. How do we find a job to love? Uh, and I, I, it'd be interesting if we had time to kind of talk around the room and just kind of hear everyone's experience with work. I've done lots of different jobs and careers through the years and some I thought were going to be great and got there and, yeah, not sure I really like this. And it'd um, be interesting just to kind of hear all of our stories and whether work is something that's, that, that's meaningful for you. Um, 
you know, one of the challenges we have now is uh, it's a good challenge, but many of us are living longer. And there's a book called The Hundred Year Life. Uh, you know, a hundred years ago, people were... Li- are we going okay with this chat about work now? Yeah. Okay. So stay with me. You know, a hundred years ago, people were only living to 50. Um, 50, 55. Now in Australia, the average woman lives to 84 and man, 81. And many are living well beyond that. My, my dad passed away a few years ago at 92. And so, you know, we're living longer. And so the old three-stage view of life is no longer adequate. You know, years ago, you had education, vocation, and then you retired. That was kind of the journey that we were all on. Went to school, got a job, worked for decades, got the golden watch, retired, sailed off into the sunset. But this book, The 100-Year Life, is saying all that's changing now because we're living much longer. And so what's going on now is we'll have education one, vocation one, education two, vocation two. My, my, my friend who was a lawyer went and did a little bit of study in IT, and now he's doing that. So education one, vocation one, education two, vocation two. Edu- Many of us are going to have multiple jobs and multiple careers, and the super skill now is agility. Learning agility, uh, being able to pivot, being able to adapt, because if you're going to live to 100 years of age, that's a lot of life to fill. And it really reflects on the kind of work we're doing and and the thing we've been trained for and whether we're going to keep doing that or whether we're going to make a change. And so I think this really affects our paradigm. Uh, One of the things in thinking about your work, and I'm not here today to get you to change jobs or Uh, do anything particular. I just want you to think about your work and what you're doing with your life. (laughs) Pastor Rob just looked at all the staff and said, that's good. That's good. We're going to pray at the end of the meeting for people looking for a new job. If any church staff stand up, well, we get that. As you're thinking about a job, as you're thinking about a career, as you're thinking about your work now, I think one of the little insights is what did you really love to do as a child? I think there's something, you know, play, I know. <laughs> but, but, you know, we have a lot of family expectations, societal expectations. But, you know, back when you were a kid, when you didn't have to do anything per se, where, where, do we, where was your curiosity going? Uh, what, what was it toward? I, I think there's something insightful in what's, what's in that early DNA, our early passions, our early energies, wh- whether it's art or creating or building or whatever it may be. What, 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 what was there as a child? I think that's, uh, there's some real incredible knowledge if you kind of tap into that and think about uh, where you were. Uh, of course, I, I'm not in any way, as we talk about finding a job to love, uh, implying that every job is going to be enjoyable all the time. Uh, I mean, not even the best jobs in the world, if there are best jobs, uh, exclude some moments of boredom and, and frustration. Um, I think we can have unrealistic expectations about any one particular job. But, but thinking about our work, thinking about our gifts and our passions, what we're good at and what we care about and the best contribution we, we can make. In our, in our modern world, we actually have some freedom. 
You don't need to necessarily keep doing what you're doing now. It's good to pause and say, well, I don't want to have an ideal. I don't want to be unrealistic, but do, do I actually enjoy what I'm doing? Uh, when I get up and go to work, am I engaged? Do I believe in, in what I'm offering as a service and a product? We actually have the freedom to do that. And, and so for some of us, maybe it is a new job. I've got another friend named Mark right now. He's an engineer. He's been working in this factory for many, many years and... Um, just been sold offshore and there's a couple of bosses changing and the culture's changing and he's been kind of grappling about staying. And, you know, as I've been talking to him, for years he's always wanted to be a bus driver. And, you know, I'm just texting him this week and he just got his driver's license and he's got an interview and he's just, yeah, he's kind of mid-40s. And I can just see this whole new energy about work because he actually wants to go do something that he's more interested in. He's going to look forward to it. He's going to be a great bus driver because he loves people. And so, you know, maybe for you, it's just realizing maybe you're not as stuck as you think you are. Maybe it's about getting education too. Maybe it's upskilling. Maybe it's learning. Maybe it's making a shift in your career. Maybe for you, that's, that's something to consider at this time going into the new year. For, for others of us, it's not necessarily a new job. Maybe it's a new perspective on the job we already have. Come on, we all have job crushes. You know, we kind of look at other jobs and go, I wish I could do that. I wish I could have that. And, and there's a bit of idealism around that. But sometimes we need to reappreciate, reacquaint ourselves with the job we already have. In fact, a good exercise, I've done it myself. Sometimes you just take a piece of paper and go, what do I like about my current job? Yeah. You could start with, I have a job. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That, that might, maybe that's all that's on your paper. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just get, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. No, no, the grass is green where you water it. And sometimes we just need to reappreciate what we have. And so instead of, you know, as, the longer you're with someone or in a job, you tend to focus more on what you don't like. Maybe just get a fresh page and go, what do I like about my job? <laughs> okay, I have a job. <laughs> I get a paycheck, you know. I get to contribute, you know. Um, just, just make a list of what you like about your job. Sometimes we don't need a new job. We just need a new perspective. You know, Moses was in the desert. It was dry. It was barren. And God turns up and says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. He didn't need a new location. He just needed a new perspective on where he was right then. And so, so maybe it's just seeing your current job a little bit differently than you do right now. And you know, when you get that list of what you like about your job, a bit of gratitude starts to emerge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a bit of gratitude might, starts to emerge. You know, no job can be everything <laughs> you might want, but we can find some sense of fulfillment in our work. So maybe it's a change or maybe it's just a, a new perspective. Uh, a few more thoughts on our little chat here about work today. Another little uh, thing just to think about your current job. Um, this is a, a little insight I heard years ago. It's called the challenge zone assessment. If you think about your work right now, uh, are you feeling over-challenged, appropriately challenged, or under-challenged? Uh, it's a really, really interesting thing. If you're over-challenged all the time to an extreme, how many know that's very stressful? And in the end... You can't live in the over-challenge all the time. Something needs to give. Like a rubber band, you're meant to be stretched, but if you stretch all the time, eventually things crack. So are you in an environment where it's just 
over challenge all the time. Uh, you, you can't really live in that emergency state. And so maybe there's a conversation with your boss or considering your hours or whatever it may be. Likewise, how many know being under-challenged is also very stressful? If you've got a job that doesn't bring out <laughs> the best in you and you're just watching the clock all day, then that under-challenge can also create stress. And so maybe for you, it's going to the boss and saying, hey, I could take a little bit more on. Is there something I could help you with to make your job easier? If you're in that under-challenged, you could maybe ask for a little bit more contribution, or maybe it's something outside of your work that adds to that. Uh, you know what the sweet spot is? It's appropriately challenged is where there's a good match. It's just a little bit above appropriately challenged. When you're a little bit stretched, that's the sweet spot. If you've got a job where you're just a little bit in that challenge zone, it's bringing the best out of you. That's a really good place to be. But, but I wonder where you are in that zone right now. Just a nice little assessment and think about what might be an appropriate response for you in your work situation. Now, let me fast forward a couple of slides here, point in the right direction. Just ignore all this. Yeah, I got a 10-part series here. Um, <clears throat> number six, my final thought today, uh, as we wrap it up, is there's more to life than work. Yeah. There's more to life than work. Uh, so no single job can be enough. There's life outside your work. That includes your family, your friends, your hobbies, your interests, volunteering at church or in the local community. You, you are not your job. Uh, it's a part of your world, but you are not your job. Uh, it's important to make time for rest. Anyone heard something called the Sabbath? Yeah, in the Old Testament, if you didn't keep the Sabbath, they killed you. Nowadays, we just kill ourselves if we go, 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 go. You know, the Sabbath was God's reminder to Israel that while they rested, he was still running the world. And so for some of us workaholics in the room, um, Sabbath. Just resting, pausing, recreating, refueling, refreshing, putting aside the achievement drive just for a little while. You are not your job. There's more to life than work, making time for rest, balancing work with other aspects of your life. How many know no one on their deathbed said, oh, I wish I spent more time in the office. So just thinking about the rest of your world. Life is an ecosystem. Work's important, but it's not everything. And then retirement. A couple of thoughts about retirement. Anyone officially retired from work? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Come on, a few hands going up. Yeah. So interesting, I'm, I just turned 62. I know I look 52, but I just turned 62. And so yeah, retirement's kind of been on my radar. In fact, in my super fund, I've done a little transition to retirement, which is a nice little kind of sweet spot there. I've been listening to a podcast called The Retirement Podcast. Great, great podcast. And a little insight from there is, you know, retirement, what you need to do is not think about what you're retiring from, but what you're retiring to. It's a really great insight is, you know, you may stop paid work, but what are you retiring to? Uh, you, you should want to still continue, continue to contribute. Um, and, and so back to the 100-year life, if you retire at 65 and you lived in 95, that's three decades. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of golf. <laughs> Someone's happy. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, no, what are you retiring from? What are you retiring to? 
is a really important thing for us to consider. Uh, it's interesting, um, if you've got access to Netflix, there's a great series now called The Blue Zones, and they're looking at communities around the planet. Anyone seen it? Uh, where people are living to 95 and 100 uh, plus. It's a great series. And uh, it, it shows that people living long and well, it, it's about community. It, yes, it's health, uh, your food, your exercise. In fact, there's this village in Greece, I think. And the village highest up the hill with the more steps, they're living longer than people down the hill. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? It's about activity. It's about food. It's about meaningful connection and it's about getting up in the morning with something to do having a sense when I get up today I might be a grandmother but I'm teaching my granddaughter how to make that pasta you know it's having a sense of purpose and contribution it's a really interesting holistic view at human flourishing and so for those of us getting a little bit upper in our years it's not just retiring from work but what are you retiring to what are you going to do with your life there's a TED talk and I'm still chatting here there's a TED talk on retirement a guy who studied retirement he says retire is this okay? One day you'll all be here. Um, and he's noticed that there are four stages in most people's retirement. One is the honeymoon stage where, thank God, I don't need to go to work today. You know, it's this honeymoon of, yay, I'm finished work. Stage two is depression, where people go down and go, who am I now? Don't have the title. I don't have the job. People don't recognize me. My mates aren't around anymore. And people often go down into this valley of depression. And then the third stage is this exploration of, okay, so what am I going to do with my life now? This curiosity of, okay, maybe I can volunteer. Maybe I could do it. And then this fourth stage of rediscovering a fresh sense of purpose. Some people get stuck in stage one, which is not a bad stage to get stuck in. It's a honeymoon forever. Some go to two and never get out of there. Some think about it ahead of time and immediately go to four and their retirement's a place of great purpose and contribution. And so have a think about that. Uh, one little final chat, because I've been doing a bit of research on this. There's a, a grassroots movement called the FIRE movement. Anyone heard of the FIRE movement? Did I tell you about it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> F-I-R-E, it stands for Financially Independent Retire Early. And all around the world, there's a whole generation looking at their parents going, I don't know if I want to work my guts out till I'm 65, get the watch and retire. I don't know if I want to do that, buy a big house, get a big mortgage, work for 30 years to pay off the mortgage. There's a whole movement out there that are going, I want to get financial independence, which is passive income, uh, greater than my expenses and retiring early so I don't need to work for money, but I can actually do something meaningful with my life. There's people hitting fire at age 35, at age 40, actually going, I want to rethink this entire capitalistic system. Fire, check it out. Have a little search. There's all different types of it. But rethinking life and uh, the short time we have and our contribution. So, so ends our little chat about work today. So as we wrap this up today, life is an ecosystem. All of these parts are important. God, uh, yourself, your calling, people, and your work. For you today, is it maybe a time to, like my friend Mark, go, maybe I'd like to do something different. And maybe that's going to be some classes and some training, but maybe there's a job that I could thrive a little bit more in. Maybe that's for you. Or maybe it's seeing your current job with some new eyes, with some new perspective, seeing what you appreciate about it. Uh, 
Maybe there's some further education, some career planning. Maybe there's a side hustle uh, for you to get involved in. That's something that you enjoy a little bit more that you may not find fully in your work. Maybe there's a volunteer role. You know, I know so many people that go, yeah, my job's okay, but my best part of the weekend is when I volunteer at my church. And so they love their job. They get paid for it, but they come along and they're helping in children's ministry. They're helping in community. They come and play their guitar in the band. And so their volunteer role actually supplements and adds a sense of contribution that their nine to five job doesn't necessarily do. Now, let me just say in a, in a church like Bayside, if you're visiting today, you can come along and go, wow, uh, they don't need me here. The truth is there's no ministry in Bayside with a no vacancy sign over it. And so maybe for you, as you're thinking into the next year, it's stepping out of the crowd and joining the team. And, you know, when you become a volunteer, instead of saying, I go to that church, you go, that's my church. And you have a sense of contribution. You know, you grow a lot. You want to grow spiritually next year? Serve. <laughs> volunteer. You'll also have a sense of belonging. You know, I think church is a little bit like Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. How many know when you get a common mission, even hobbits and elves and dwarves actually become a fellowship? Look around the room. We're all very different creatures. How do you get hobbits and elves and dwarves to get along? You know what? You have a common mission. And when you work on a mission together, you actually become a fellowship. You become a fellowship. And so maybe for you, that's a step to take as you're thinking about the next year. For others, maybe it's a Sabbath time. Anyone looking forward to some holidays? Yes, holidays, catch a breath, take a big uh, refuel and uh, get reset for the coming year. Well, I hope you got something out of that today. We did a little Bible study, a little bit of chat around work and uh, a fair bit of a, a big meal today. Uh, but hopefully there was something for everybody. Hey, is anyone here seriously looking for a new job? Um, just, just pop your hand up if you're looking for a job at the moment. Okay. Uh, I, I have faith to pray for people to get work. I, I could tell you many stories that I prayed for people and that week they got an interview and a job. And so um, would you mind standing? Because I just like to see you and pray for you. Look really employable. <laughs> No, I've also had business people, seriously, I've had business people look around right now and go, I'm going to go talk to them after the meeting. Uh, I'm looking for a sales customer or, yeah, what, or whatever that person may be. Anyone else looking for a, a new job, another job? Church staff included. <laughs> All right. Hey, can we pray for these people? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you for every man and woman standing today. Lord, you love them. What amazing human beings they are. Phenomenal. And Lord, they've got a unique set of gifts and talents and passions and abilities. And I pray that even this week, as they put in resumes, as they knock on doors, as they apply for jobs, that you would open just the right door, the right environment, the right culture, that'd be a great match for their gifts so that as they move into this next season of employment, everyone of of greater meaning, greater purpose, greater contribution. And so I pray today for your blessing, open windows of heaven and provide work and employment for each one of these people in your unique way today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Come on, give these people a big encouragement today. Fantastic. God, we also thank you for our time together today. God, you're a worker. Uh, your work of creation, pretty amazing job work of redemption, uh, and you've called us to also contribute, whether we're paid for it or not. Uh, may we see everything we do as, as sacred, as holy, 
And Lord, may how we work really, really matter. And so I pray today for all of us in our work life that we'd find a fresh sense of meaning and gratitude and would work as unto you, Lord, for those that are in those kind of retirement years where maybe we're not getting paid for what we do, but wow, the wisdom, uh, seniors, fastest growing demographic in society, the wisdom, the experience that's there. Uh, Lord, let them not feel like they're put out to pasture, but they have a, a contribution to make. And so I pray that you would help those in that retirement phase, maybe those that are feeling a little bit low, who am I now apart from my work, that they would just find a fresh sense of being those wise elder men and women and uh, contributing back into this world. And so bless all of us at this Christmas season. Bless Bayside, bless Pastor Rob and Christy and the whole team. We look forward to a great new year coming in Jesus. Jesus' name will give you all the glory. Everyone said amen. amen. Thanks, everybody. God bless. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.